Dear God, I thank you. I thank you for giving us opportunity to come together as we read in the Psalms. That they, they look forward to the throngs of people that would come together and praise you and worship you. It's there, Lord, that we are able to reconnect and, and build relationship and, and find freedom and, and hope for our souls. And so, Lord, I praise you and thank you for giving us this opportunity to do this today. And I pray for this offering, Lord, that you'd bless it. Bless those that have a heart to give and, and want to see your kingdom furthered here in this community, Lord. And, and then bless us as a church so we can be a part of the, of the breakthrough that needs to occur in Woodland and the surrounding area, Lord. We're believing for salvations. We're believing for people to come to know you for the first time and for people to come and, and reinstate and sense a, a, a relationship with you. Maybe they've drifted, Lord. So we pray for those souls that are, that are far from you, that they'll come close to you again, Lord. Use us, Lord, as a church to be that salt, that light in this community to reconnect them to their creator. And I thank you for giving us opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, as the ushers are coming... I want to again say uh, thank you for being here today. You can say you're welcome. It's good to be here. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this series that we've been in called How's Your Soul? As the ushers are coming, actually, I want to encourage you to. Um, somebody left me their sunglasses. Um, Hey, but I want to encourage you to think about something this morning with me, and that is, how is your soul, or how's your soul? I have a lot to say, I'm trying to choose my words wisely, but I, um, this week has been, have you ever had weeks that felt like two weeks? So we've had two weeks this week. We had a week of R&R where my wife and I took off after church last Sunday. Her birthday is Tuesday this week, so we went to get out of town with her and just she and I, and, it was, and that was one week. And then we came back and had another week, it felt like. And, and, um, but all week long I've been struggling with this message that I want to share with you today. And... Um, it might go over easy for you. For me, it's been difficult because when I was challenged to understand and live out the truth of Scripture, guess what? There was things that went on within me that were like, no, you don't. You're not going to change that about you. And it became a, a battle. And I don't know if you've ever encountered that where you've tried to uh, change something in your life and it became a battle for you. Um, and I'm sure you all have encountered that. But that's been this week for me. Uh, the Psalms that we're reading today is found in Psalms 42. I read uh, most of it. I probably read all of it earlier, but we're going to read through it again. And if you have your Bibles, it's Psalms 42. Mark it. Highlight it. It's a great verse. Uh, but throughout the whole chapter of Psalms uh, 42, uh, the psalmist, the songwriter, is commanding his soul to do something. But let me read this again for you. It says, as the deer pants for flowing streams. I honestly spent time this week looking at YouTube videos of deers panting. It was part of that week, right? I don't know why. I just did. 
But they pant, so pants my soul for you, O God. To a panting soul is what? I, I, I watched a video of a, of a baby who wanted some ice cream, and they, they were holding the ice cream just out of the reach of the baby, and they were really wanting that ice cream. Well, so my soul pants for you, O God. Verse 2 says, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a a multitude-keeping festival. And verse 5 and 6 says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. My salvation and my God. If you're like me, you've probably experienced moments when your emotions and or thoughts kind of run away with craziness. I, uh, I think that's been kind of my struggle this week is I'm not known as an emotional person. Um, this is me excited and this is me upset and this is me sad. I'm kind of always the same, but within me, there is a lot of emotion. I'm just not necessarily good at showing it outwardly, I guess, but this has been the type of week I've had where we go out, of, so my wife and I, we went out of town to rest and relax. This happened to us last time we did this. And when we got there, guess what was going on all day long? Construction. And so it wasn't as restful and relaxing. We, we got to the place and checked into the hotel and, and, uh, and settled down. And it's one of these that has a kitchen in their hotel room, so we're making dinner and I'm settled in for the night. We're just going to rest. And I get a call. And it's the front desk saying, you need to come and get your parking pass. Now, understand you this. This is kind of a timeshare type of a property. And I just know that it was a ploy to get me out of that apartment and come and sign up so they could sell more timeshare. And I was like, no, I'm not leaving. We're settled in for the night. And, and all of a sudden, emotionally, I was uptight. I had an agenda, and my agenda was to rest, and you are disturbing my rest. And so I, I, I was complaining. I wasn't really nice on the phone. And, and I was telling Dean, I said, well, I, I know they're just trying to get me to come and sign up for more timeshare and this and that and the other thing, and I don't need a parking pass and da, 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 da. I had, a, I had an attitude. I know that you've probably never had similar attitudes, but I had that attitude. And so as I'm sitting there and I'm mulling over, now not only do I have an attitude, now I'm upset with myself for having that attitude. So not only do I have the emotion of being upset with them, now I'm upset at myself. I'm upset with a whole lot of people. And so now I'm dealing with the issue of being upset with myself, and I'm thinking, well, I I guess I could go down there. Dinner's not, like, ready yet. I could walk down, and I could get the parking pass, and... And so I did. I'm walking down there, and I even get to the counter. And as I'm walking up to the counter, I know the guy on the other side is a salesman. 
And I was just, there was all this turmoil going on with inside of me. And, and this might seem so minor, but as I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking, Doug, aren't you better than this? I mean, you are struggling with this internal turmoil. You, you, you're frustrated with the world around you because you had an agenda and they are trying to upset it all. But yet, I'm not supposed to be like this. I'm supposed to be friendly and, and happy and joyful and life-giving and all that I do. And you're absolutely not doing that right now, Doug. And I didn't walk up to the counter and say hi to the guy and treat him nicely and get him saved. That didn't happen. I was very short. Thank you for that. No, thank you. Goodbye. I mean, it was, it wasn't, I'm not saying, hey, I succeeded. But I'm saying that, it, that we all have this within us, this inner turmoil, this struggle, this, I, and then, then I found myself, have you ever, ever lived a week or maybe even a day with what I would call the grumpies? Can, can it, just for my sake, can you raise your hand if you've ever been grumpy, just so I know I'm not alone. There was a day, I told you I lived a lot of weeks this week. One day this week, I actually said, no, I am going to fast one day. That's when the family, I think, as they begin to understand it, stayed away from me. Because the spirit of grumpy came over me. And, and, and then, but as I'm going through all this, I'm thinking, Doug, you are better than this. And then God reminded me that, no, on your own, this is who you are. Yeah, that's how this week went. <laughs> Have you ever been in that place, though, where your emotions and your thoughts weren't something that you'd write home to heaven about? Well, today I want to talk about not just how is your soul, but why does my soul have hope? Why does your soul have hope? Your soul has hope so that way you won't hope entirely on yourself or on the things that are man-made. Our true hope is what kind of sets us right. I, um, a healthy soul is important. A healthy soul helps you to be that person that you've been struggling trying to be. Our souls need to be healthy, but for them to be healthy, they need hope. Hopelessness singles a sick soul. It, it, it signals a sick soul, a, a weak soul, a discouraged soul. I had hoped for rest, and I wasn't getting it. And then I began to realize that my soul was weak and discouraged. We look for natural things and reasons to have hope. Things like we look to our friends for hope. We look to our bank account for hope. I, maybe you do. I don't. Uh, we might look for, you know, different, a, a new strategy in life will be our hope. I, I love the fact that we have 
healthy life groups going on right now. If you're not a part of a life group, plug into a life group. It's, it's not too late, and it's so important to your walk. And there's several. If you have questions, let us know. We'll, we'll get you connected. Go to our website. You can connect to life groups through our website. But there, there's things being taught in these life groups that are very important and, and can help, help us establish a healthy hope in the right things. Now, I, I'll, I'll pick on Financial Peace University. Just because I learn the tactics that will be taught in Financial Peace doesn't mean that all of a sudden that I can place my hope in my bank account. The, the fact of the matter is this, Financial Peace University is all about trying to get that distraction out of your life so you can focus all your energies on the one true hope. Because it's the financial things that become so distracting in our lives that we can't focus on the one true hope. I, I, this is a rabbit trail, but I, I've told people that have asked me or shown interest in being in ministry one day, full time, and, and, and it was 40 some odd years of my life before I got to that place. And one of the biggest things that held me back into going into ministry was my ability to learn where my true hope should come from and not place my hope in career or placing my hope in finance. And so if, if, if full-time ministry was for them, and that's not for everybody, because honestly, ministry is how you wake up and go to sleep every day. It's, it's what you do in between. It can be in, the, in any job, in anything that you do. But if you don't want to be tethered or tied down or bound up so that you can't move freely in ministry, then really make sure that you start off with your finances in order because uh, that becomes the thing for me at least that, was, that bound me up and chained me up and kept me from being able to be free as I ought to have been in Christ. But there's other things that we've placed our hope in, friendships. I, I remember... I, I watched, I went to camp, as I mentioned, a, a few weeks ago with some high schoolers, and, and I watched them uh, navigate a relationship and, and how to be peers with one another. And, and when, it, actually, uh, Friday night, my son and I were walking to the car from a football game, and, and I'm watching these junior hires running around, and I'm listening. And what I'm hearing is, is that there's some drama going on with some friends, right? And... And Judy, she teaches junior high, and, and so she's probably very familiar with junior high drama. But it was all about he said, she said, now he's upset, now she's upset, and oh my goodness, they're going to walk off, and it's the end of the world. But that's their reality, because that's where their hope is. And then their hope is dependent on where they've placed their hope. Let me continue with. What are some other things that we've placed our hope in? Stop for a minute and consider this. Uh, those of you that are married or hope to be married, when you place your hope in marriage, many times you find yourself hopeless. Because we're not to place our hope in marriage. We're supposed to place our hope in God, because marriage can have failures. There can be disappointments. There can be things in those relationships that just, it wasn't quite like I thought it was going to be. I guarantee you, 
that I'm not the same man my wife thought she was marrying. And I thank God that she has her hope in God. Because we're still together after 27 years, and we will be together until we die. Why? Because I know where her hope is. I know where my hope is. And my life, my days don't rise and fall based on my marriage. We get to be there with one another as we hope in God. Where do you place your hope? Hoping in hope alone is empty. I, uh, I work with a place called Fourth and Hope. And there's many things that that place, that ministry does to help people that we would consider are hopeless. They might be hopeless because they don't have a place to sleep tonight. And they're hoping for a place to sleep. But somebody that's in recovery, that's been really uh, bombarded by this, what I would call a spirit of poverty, has a hard time seeing it through to success because when they place hope in things like a place to sleep or in clothing or in food, and those things come about, and there could be failures, though, that come along the line, then they lose hope once again. Let me explain it like this. We've seen people that, that would move into, let's say, a homeless shelter and live there for, for months, get their jobs and, 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 and rearrange and set up their finances in such a way where they could rent their own place and become self-sufficient, only to find out that nobody would rent to them. Now, that seemingly is hopeless. And we as an organization over in town here called Fourth and Hope, we want people to find a success. We want them to, to hope that they can have a brighter tomorrow. But here's what we know. There's only one true hope that could never fail. That's what the psalmist knew. The psalmist was was distraught because they were eating their tears, which is gross, by the way, but they were hopeless. And, and they were frustrated. I'm thankful that they didn't give up, though. They, they understood that they could command their soul. It says, why are you cast down on my soul? They're talking to themselves. Have you ever talked to yourself? Careful, because that could get you picked up. Oh, there's been times, though, I've had to talk to myself. I talk to myself a lot this week. I'm standing here today confessing. I'm very frustrated with myself. Doug... Why are you cast down? Why are you in turmoil within? But as the psalmist is telling his soul or asking his soul, asking himself, why are you disquieted? Why are you in turmoil? Then he commands himself, hope in what? 
Hope in God. Don't hope in a marriage. Don't hope in finances. Don't hope in just shelter. Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Do you want a healthy soul? How is your soul? Well, our souls do have to give in. Our souls have to give in to hope. But we can command our souls where to give in. Hopelessness can paralyze a person. But hope in and of itself isn't enough. It's what you hope in that that truly sets us free. Hmm. I wanted to have a conversation, but I don't know how to do that. I'm curious. I've heard this saying that the church is the hope of the world. What's that mean to you? What's it mean when someone says the church is the hope of the world? How do we become the hope of the world? Think about it. The church is the hope of the world. For the church to be the hope of the world, we have to, as individuals, have an outrageous hope in God. We don't hope in something that is ignoring us. We hope in somebody that truly knows you and looks to you and watches you. Have you ever been in a conversation where you're talking to someone and you know they're not listening to you? Every Sunday for about a half hour, I kind of feel that way, but (laughs) I'm teasing, I'm joking. I, I actually... It's another thing that I beat myself up over. I, I, there's times that I'll be on my computer or on my phone or watching TV or driving the car or whatever it might be, and family's trying to talk to me. And I'm really having a hard time focusing in on them because I am distracted. I, I care about them. I don't love them less than my TV. I don't love them less than my phone. I love them much more. But when they come and they want my attention, how much of my attention do they want? Do you, do you remember little ones that you've held and they'll grab your face and they'll turn their, your face towards them because they want you to, to look at them? Look at me! I mean, why? Because they want all of our attention. 
Well, thankfully, God's not one that's easily distracted when it comes to you. God is always looking at us. He always sees you and he always sees me. Psalms twenty two twenty four says in the message version that he has never let you down, never looked the other way when you were being kicked around. He has never wandered off to do his own thing. He has been right there listening. Listening is a is a talent that we probably all need to improve upon. He is always listening. He's always aware of where you're at. If you've ever felt like you, or like I did this week, where I I was living a hopeless life, and you would say, well, what's that look like? I wasn't homeless. I wasn't hungry. But I also wasn't happy and joyful. I was grumpy. But why was my soul in turmoil? Because I had forgotten or I had quit paying attention to the fact that all of my issues and all of my needs, he sees them, he's keenly aware of them, and he's going to take care of them. My issues were my issues, and that was the issue. My hope should be entirely in Him. My praise and my living should be always focused on Him because He is eternally focused on me. He's right there. He's listening. And then the price has been paid. Jesus took care of it all. If you've ever been hopeless... So was Jesus. And some would say, well, prove it. There is a scripture found in John 12, 27. He says, now is my soul troubled. Now, was he without complete hope? I wouldn't say that, but his soul was troubled. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? This is as Jesus is about ready to breathe his last and pay the final price. For all of our sins. He says, Father, save me from this hour. And then he settles it. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. I believe in that time that Jesus took a troubled soul to the cross so that we would never have to have a troubled soul ever again. Hebrews 6.18 says, So God has given both His promise and His oath, which is pretty powerful. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to Him for refuge, say refuge, can have great confidence. Say confidence. As we hold to the hope That lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus 
has already, say already, Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has taken care of it for us. He is interceding for you right now. He knows you. He sees you. He's listening. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. Hope in God. Say, hope in God. For I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. I pray that we'll find that source of hope again and again and again. As the psalmist says, Hope in God, for, sh- for I shall again and again and again and again praise Him. Our salvation, our God. Our soul needs hope. Here's, <laughs> I've been hesitating a lot, and, and here's why. We're on, an, we're on the precipice, we're on the edge, we're on the verge of. But for me to go to where I need to be, I need to let go of the things that I've always hoped in. My own understanding, I need to let go of that. My old, my old ways of doing things, I need to let go of that. Because the more I hold on to that and make that my hope, I know if I get up, I mean, we all have uh, repetitious things that happen day in and day out. You go out, you start your car, and it runs. And that's all great until what? It doesn't start. At some point in time, it's time to get a new car. But, but I have to know that there's new things that he wants to put in front of me. And I can't embrace the new unless I let go of the old. But if I let go of the old, then I have no hope. Wrong. Because we're not to hope in things or in agendas or in stuff. We're supposed to hope in what? In God. Hope in God. This is the, my inner turmoil is just that. I need to let go of what I know. And I need to embrace the wisdom from above. Whatever that may look like. Now God has taught me a lot in my life. And I will learn that, hopefully double that, because I hope to live longer than I've already lived. But the things I've learned, I'll take into my tomorrows, but I'm just not supposed to place hope in those. Is this making sense? Hope in God so He can take us, take you, take me wherever He must. 
What is going on in your life right now? Decisions you need to make. Choices. But you're having a hard time making those decisions because your hope and your trust has been in things that that's hard to let go of. But if my hope, my trust is in God, the very creator of all of this universe, the one that gave me a breath to breathe, breathed life within me, gave me a soul, he knows me. He sees me. He knows what I'm thinking. He's thinking about me. He's thinking about you. Isn't that an awesome thought? He's thinking about you. Have you ever done these weird things where, and, and maybe this is more of a school, junior high-ish thing, but you think that groups are over in the corner talking about you when you're not in the middle of them? Oh, I just know they're talking about me. They're saying such and such about me. As if they have nothing else to do but to talk about you or talk about me. But that's, these thoughts will creep in at times. But here's what I will tell you. He is thinking about you. God is thinking about you, and he knows he, the plans he has for you. What's that passage? 29.11. Let's go there. Because this is where you, we can find hope. Jeremiah. I've been in Jeremiah for a month. Poor Jeremiah. I should memorize this. You should memorize this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. And I will hear you. That's the God I serve. That's the God you serve. Will you let go of the old hope to embrace God? Will you let go of the old thinking and the old ways to embrace God? Because He knows the plans He has for you, and they're good plans. Church, I don't know where to go. I, I'm out of message. And I, and I still have a bit of the grumpies. And I don't know why that is. But I'm going to ask you to join me today, not in the grumpies. But it's time to let go of the things that are causing turmoil in our soul. I can't be fully used by God and continue to struggle with the same turmoil that I've always struggled with. I am over it. I am over the grumpies. I'm over the turmoil that keeps me from being who God wants me to be. 
and I'm asking to join me. Will you be over it too? I'm not saying any of you are grumpy. But I'm saying we all have been maybe struggling with some turmoil in our soul. They, I know there's that term, new level, new devil, which I hate that term, but I know when, when you go to a new level in your walk, there's going to be new things that you'll struggle with, but, but as you deal with things at this level, you'll get better at dealing with them in the next level and beyond. But just because there could be new struggles and new trials doesn't mean that we don't go to that next level. What is that next level for you? I'm going to ask the worship team to come. and I want to take some time here in the close of our service to encourage you and encourage me. Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? I know a lot of times we use the O oh my and in slang to God's name. Oh, my soul. Why are you cast down? Hope now in God. So I'm glad you guys came today because this has been a good service for me. I don't know if any of this ministers to you, but I'm kind of in this place. I needed to come here today. I needed to uh, lay down my vain imaginations. You're about ready to jump out of your seat. Oh, and Jeremiah, I will be found by you. Ooh, that's powerful. That'd be good scripture. I will be found by you, says the Lord. Hmm. I don't think you're ready for this. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you, and I will bring you home again to your own land. Have you ever been held captive? Have you ever felt stuck? Stand. As an act of my soul, if, if you would join me this morning, I don't know what they're going to close in and, and uh, whatever it would be great. <laughs> but I, I've been saying we're in a season of preparation. We're preparing 
for what God has for us. We're looking ahead and not behind. But in this time of preparation, I need to set my soul right. And so for me, I'm going to take some time here this morning to set my soul right. Because I I get stuck. And the same behaviors creep back in over and over and over again. And I'm and I'm tired of them. I'm over them. And, and maybe you're in that same place. And, and you're tired of being stuck with those same behaviors because those same behaviors bring the same results. And those same results aren't new next level results. So for there to be next level results, there has to be a change in my soul. So I'm going to settle it this morning. Lord, change my soul. As I tell my soul to place its hope in you. I'm praying, Lord, that you'll change my soul. I don't want to react. I don't want to respond. I don't want to live my life as I've always lived it. I want a next level life, Lord. One that's a demonstration of who you are. Lord, we want to be salt and light. I want to be salt and light. I want to be a representative, a Christ-like person in this community. So, Lord, help me to let go of my old hopes, those things that would fail me. And let me hope now again in you, God, my salvation, my God. Lord, I I believe that's a prayer for many of us. But for there to be new levels, we need to have a healthy soul that can thrive at those new levels. Holy Spirit, do a work here. Do a work in this place that changes lives. Do a work in this place that prepares it for the future. Do a work here, Lord, and we'll keep our hands off. You do the work, and we'll hope in you. In Jesus' name, I'm going to ask you, that's you. You need to go to that next level. There's a new day. But you've been stuck in your old way. As an the psalmist did it. The psalmist said, you know what? Soul change. Change what you're hoping in. Today we have the ability physically to move forward, to come to the altar and say, I am changing my hope. My hope is no longer in the things that I've made them, in the things of this world, but my hope is in God. And Him I will praise. So join me, would you, this morning here at this altar. Make it a point that I am changing as I hope in God.